0: make your flex time work for you visit myflexlearning.com slash b to learn more and receive five hundred dollars off the first year that's myflexlearning.com b e they are the fabulous learning nerds because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done you've got the fabulous learning nerds scott dan and zeta are making it fun the best ideas that you've ever heard. So, oh, everybody, spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another fantastic episode of Your Fabulous Learning Nerds. My name is Scott Schutte. I'm your host today. And my most excellent of co hosts is with me. You love him, Dan Coonrod, everyone.
1: Dan the man. Oh, yeah.
2: Dan. Scott. When you said my most excellent co-host, I was like, oh, we're definitely going to Zeta. <laughs> oh. No, yeah. I was thinking Bill and Ted, dude. Oh. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I know. You know, I watched the uh the third one. I watched the third mm-hmm. one. And uh it's it just just didn't hit the same, man. It just was very different. I think that's because we went and got old.
0: <laughs> that didn't hit me very well either. Spoilers for Bill and Ted, everybody. A third movie that if you haven't seen, you're okay, in my humble opinion. That's fair. Um, but, but they go and they do the thing from the first movie where they're going to get all these people together. And I'm like, okay, cool. If you're going to go play in the Member Berries area, like, st- grab it, run it, and stick the landing. And they did not. It's just it no. was just one of those side stories that they were doing. And I'm like, no, I'm like this has got great potential to be equally as funny as what I fell in love with. but it it was not. It was not. So how are you doing other than you watch Bill and Ted, sir?
2: Uh, you know, I am uh, I'm definitely more fair to Midland than I was earlier last week.
0: Fair to Midland.
2: What has made you more fair to Midland, sir? Well, last week, uh, I got like, I don't know, it's not the flu. I got something. It put me down and out. Put me down and out for, for a couple of days. It hit hard, it hit fast, and then it left me just kind
0: of, it, uh, it was excited. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, being sick's no fun. Um, George Carlin, God bless his soul, used to say, if being sick was fun, we would do it all the time right isn't that right i would totally go and get sick all the time like hey man we're gonna go get sick yeah yeah not for me not gonna get sick yeah so i'm glad you're feeling better i uh, was speaking to people who are also feeling better she's in the house you love her we're gonna have a great time chatting with her she's the duchess of design say in the house How you doing? Good. Are you more fair to Midland as well?
1: Uh, I am on the recovery as well. I had the flu and my energy level is not 100%, but yeah, I'll try my best. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, there you go. We'll, we'll keep uh-huh. things on the up and up. It'll be entertaining. I have a question for both of you. Shoot. If it's okay. It's a, it's a sure, rhetorical sure. question. So um, we're going to start with Zeta because. So Zeta, okay. who's your favorite hero? And why? Who's your favorite hero and why? Go, to Go.
1: Oh, gosh. Okay. If I have to pick one, I would say Nightcrawler, because despite everything that he was going through, are we, wait, wait, are we talking about real heroes or like?
0: I just said hero.
1: Make-believe. Okay, so, I said yeah, hero. Kurt Kirk so. Wagner, uh, my favorite <laughs> superhero, um, because despite everything, he still is kind, caring, excellent leader, by the way, mm. um, of, of, uh excalibur and its first run mm-hmm. but uh all around favorite favorite person to emulate
0: so you like to go poof all over
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and i have I a swashbuckling <laughs> spirit
0: yeah <laughs> i just went it's over bamf. everybody's it's, head all is right it was bamp. you're right bam yeah
1: yeah so it's, okay yeah
0: well, that's great, Dan, the man. How about you, sir? Man, you know, I had <laughs> I had all of that time
2: while Zeta was telling us to think about it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out uh, for a minute, and I am gonna say the most uh, vanilla answer, but what I think for the least vanilla reason, and I'm gonna say Superman. Uh, but not because of all the cool powers like those are all cool and he can definitely be like character who can like oh superman can solve it but uh superman in my eyes superman's like best unlisted power is he has this indelible deep-seated sense of of what is right and what is wrong and that's like the best superpower like they don't play it up a whole bunch in the comics he doesn't talk about it but like if Superman's like, I'm going to do this, like that's probably the best good path that you could take in this situation, and I think that's probably why I like Superman.
0: Love your sure. answer. That would have been my answer for many, many years for the exact same reason. Um, mine today is Captain America. I love, love Captain, Captain America, America for A very
2: similar reason. Captain America yeah. and
0: Superman are are very similar. Same. Because they are mm-hmm. black and white, it's either we're going to do the right thing or we're going to do the wrong thing. There is no gray. We should always strive to do the right thing, and I find that very admirable. Admirable. Um, Superman's the 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 same way. There are plenty of runs that that show that off. Um, All Star Superman. That's it. Is it?
2: Oh, the All-Star animated Superman movie. If you watch that? Yeah, I've got the. It's fantastic.
0: The comic and the movie both were both were fantastic. I really like yeah. it. Yeah. It, it it speaks to exactly what you're talking about, which yep. is doing the right thing. She just goes and does the right thing regardless of even, what, even if it's what difficult. It
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: By the way, if anybody would like to read my blog, I have a blog post on my LinkedIn Ooh. page talking about the leadership qualities of Captain America Boom. and why he's so awesome. Go check that out. Really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um we could nerd out and talk about that the whole show, but um there's a method to my madness today. We are going to be discussing. Um, leadership. We're going to be talking about the complexities of leadership. And all three of these answers are really great around why being a leader is not always that easy. And with that, let's go ahead and dive into our topic of the week. Are you ready? All right. This week, we're talking culture of leadership, why it's important, what good leadership looks like. And hey, you know what? How you can become a more effective leader. Zeta, why? Why is leadership important?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, I think, yeah, leadership is so important because employee tenure, how long you're going to have an employee in your organization is directly tied to how good your leadership is. If you have great leaders, people are going to want to stay. If you don't have good leaders, it's proven. There's a Gallup poll that says, hey, if you don't have good, effective leaders, you're probably going to lose your people, and it's fifty percent to almost two thirds that you'll lose.
2: I think there's there's a lot of reasons to strive to be a better leader, to strive to not just be like a better business leader, but just a better leader in general, leader of people, leader of ideas. We, we kicked off by talking about like superhero leaders, you know, uh, very very abstract. I mean, you can get right down to the brass tacks. Zeta, you talked about employee turnover. DDI basically says for every bad leader you have, it costs your business $126,000 a year because of dissension, turnover, low productivity. Uh, the inverse of that is true. For every dollar a business spends on leadership programs, the ROI is seven bucks. I mean, like we can talk about the, the, the moral obligation of good leadership, which I firmly believe in. But I think just kicking right to the dollar amount, like bottom line up front, good leaders save your business.
0: Yeah. And I think that part of the opportunity is, like there's twofold. Like, So there's the business impact part of it. There's also the people part of it. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about both, right? What the business really looks at and values and respects, like a lot of my experience has been, like, can you get stuff done? Right. And I, I think a lot of times what happens, we spend so much time focusing in on, hey, let's get as much stuff done as humanly possible for the lowest amount of dollars so we can make the most dollars. And and that's what's valued and respected. And to me, I feel like there, there are people out there that run teams and whatnot that are really good managers that allow that to get done. Like, yeah. we're just going to go ahead and we're going to get as much stuff as I as I possibly can get done with the people that I get get done, and and that's how I'm going to get rewarded. And you know what? That's important, and that's fine. Like I feel like that's important and fine. And and I would put those people in, under management, right? Those are and there there's a place for great managers, right? Managers oh, yeah. that are good at this are are awesome. Um, when you move over to the idea that now I'm going to steward human capital, right? So I'm going to go ahead and. Lead people who have hopes and dreams and good days and bad days and insecurities and all this other kind of stuff. All the all the stuff that comes with leading people like that's a completely different competency. And and a lot of the things that are important from from a people leadership position are are sadly some things that we don't spend enough time talking about. And that's where a lot of that opportunity comes. So I'm going to finish with this and I'll let you guys jump off of that. But. One of the podcasts I listen to. Yes, I listen to podcasts too. Scott Miller's on leadership podcast. Scott M- Miller works for Franklin Covey Association. He's, he's got his own podcast. You should totally check it out. If you're a leadership nerd like me, you should check it out. What he Thank said you. was this, and was really interesting. He's like, you know, when you get promoted into leadership roles and where you're actually, you know, leading a group of people, it's because you were good at something, like really good at something right? You were the best salesperson, the Michael Scott analogy of leadership. We're going to go ahead and promote you because you're really good at sales. We're going to re- promote you because you are a fantastic project manager, right? Um, you were really fantastic at all these other things. So you're really good at something. But the the opportunity comes that um, the skill sets that made you really good at those things don't necessarily make you really good at leading people. Yeah. Right? They're different competencies. And mm-hmm. most people... Are not getting the coaching, they're, they're, they're not getting the development, they're not getting the training. They're just like, hey, now you're leading people, go have fun. And so what we have, and this is great. So please use this. It really helped me think about stuff. Like, you know, we have really good people who wind up being not the greatest of leaders for one reason or another. And so that onus then falls onto us, right? So lead your leaders, right? How do you have those hard conversations? How do you like I like to tell people, how do I mentor up? Which is really challenging, but also very rewarding as well because you all want the same thing. So
2: I, I 100% agree. I feel too often it's the merit-based work culture. How do I reward excellence other than through a promotion? And when you hit the ceiling of our individual contributor space, how do I continue to reward you? Well, the only place is a new role, and often those new roles are leader roles. Our highest compensated roles tend to be leader roles. They tend to be focused on, like you know, leading teams, leading people, leading the business. And so, let's say you've got a great salesperson, great individual contributor. They're bringing in the dough. They're doing amazing. The idea becomes like, well, we have to, we have to keep them because they're a valuable asset, and like we want to reward them for all of the hard work and effort they've put in and for all of the the good they've brought the business but maybe they're capped out at salary maybe they're you know there's no role above them and the answer too often is let's promote them into a leadership role and if that's not what they want and that's not what they're good at You've basically removed a piece off the board, put it in charge of a couple other pieces, and you've brought the value and the value of the people that they're leading down because you're like, well, we have to figure out some way to reward. I think there's a whole other conversation about pay structures and business organization that none of us are qualified to dive into. But too often... Those people who are not bad people become bad leaders because they don't have the skills and the business isn't interested in developing them as a leader because they've already given them extra money. They've they've already invested in them to what they see as an extra amount. That person in our scenario or theoretical isn't a bad person. Scott, like you brought up, it's not a bad person. They're just not a strong leader. If the business were building programs that identified good leaders, uplifted leaders already in places, built leaders and leadership as a function of the business,
0: that helps everybody. Kind of taking a step back a little bit, going back to where Zeta brought us from the beginning, and I wanna go back to you, Zeta, is like, so mm-hmm. let's spend some time talking about, like, if we're thinking about effective leadership, mm-hmm. right? managing people in the right way. Like, what are, What did you find or what are we seeing out there as far as traits and things that we can point to as far as saying like, you know what, that's a necessary thing for strong leaders to have these days?
1: Well, if I could uh, start off with a kind of an anecdotal story. When I went from project management to actually being a leader and and act- and having to take care of a team, it was a big jump. And I knew how to get tasks done. I knew how to do design and how to get, you know, hit deadlines. And then people were reporting to me and then I had to make sure that they got their things done as well. There was a lot more skill that was needed for, to do that. It wasn't just check a box, right? Callie Foster back in episode, I think, what was it? 81. She talks about courage and she talks about compassion. And I think if you guys want to hear more about that, check it out. It's episode 81. It's from last year, I think in September. But other than those, um, emotional intelligence is kind of an all-encompassing umbrella that kind of talks about your ability to then deal with your emotions, your, your own self-doubts, your own worries, as well as the emotions of people that you're taking care of. Being able to navigate, that's pretty difficult, especially if you're put into that position and not knowing where to go. So how do you get better at that? You stay valid. You trust the people that you task to do things, and you help guide them when, say, they don't hit the mark, right? You ask them, hey, how can I get better? Hey, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Ask for feedback,
0: I want to hit on a couple things that are really important. So I want to be clear. Like when the first couple, my first couple seasons, and trying to figure this stuff out. Same thing. Good person, not the best leader. So yeah. a lot of what we're talking about is from experience, and, and a lot of things. So that's really important. Looking stuff up. <laughs> uh, right, right, and then figuring right. these <laughs> kinds of things out, and then going, finding out more, which we'll get to in a minute. But I, mm-hmm. I think that. Um, one of the things that's like counterintuitive from a leadership perspective is that when I am all of a sudden responsible for the output of my team and the individual contributors within my team, um, a lot of times um, we'll make that mistake of saying, well, I got to be on top of everything. Now I got to be on top of everything. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, he, I mean, you have to be on top of everything, but that doesn't mean you have to have ownership in everything because. If you have ownership in everything, you try to control everything. Um, this is very, very true. Like those people who try to control everything c- control nothing, right? And so, um, Jocko Willink in his book, Extreme Ownership, great book. You should totally pick it up. I, I preach about it all the time. He talks about this thing called decentralized command, which is this idea that if you've got people that are really good at what they're doing. Right, that that are kind of maybe ready for that next step or whatever. Like, give them some responsibility and make make sure they own their jobs. And you can check in every once in a while, see where they're at, see how they're feeling, all that good stuff. And then you don't have to necessarily be on top of everything, but it. Is, but in order to do that, we have to set clear expectations. Now, I was involved in a company many years ago that was part of Gallup's book from good to great. So one of the things that they have is a triangle of engagement. Go look it up. This is about 30 years old. Go look it up. At the very bottom, it's a pyramid. Things that are necessary for people to do the best job ever. Does anybody want to know what's on the bottom? What's on the bottom? You're not going to guess?
2: No. I don't want to play the guessing game.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, great. What's on the very bottom is I know what's expected of me at work. Expectations. Right. It, that's that's why setting clear expectations <laughs> super important. Every time, I swear to God, every time I run into opportunities, I can always, almost always go back to, did I know what was expected of me and find opportunities. By the way, if I'm a leader and I don't set really good opportunities, you know, really good um, expectations around what's being w- what I need um, and things get dropped, who's that on? that's on me. That's on the leader,
1: right? Totally on me.
0: And by Mm -hmm. the way, you should totally take ownership in that because it is your responsibility and, and your people below you. Like when you take, by the way, if you take ownership, you know and I kind of should have set better expectations. Like nine times out of 10, those people below are like, Oh no, no, I should have, you know, everybody kind of steps in and join in on this party. And I, on the uh, expectations party, which is great ownership Mm -hmm. party, excuse me. So setting clear expectations is, is, is vital. Um, And in backing up to your whole emotional intelligence, which I think is super important, especially in a post-pandemic world, because I don't know, raise your hand if you agree with me. We all kind of went through a little bit of trauma together. All of us had this like shared trauma, Um, and so you know that idea of being understanding um, around where people are is really important. Um, I have a new employee. And one of the things that we level set on right away is like, we never know exactly what anybody around us is going through. So we are going to lean with kindness every time, whether the individual deserves our kindness or not. We are going to leverage this every time.
2: For me, a lot of the early first step problems in, in the leadership journey is defining what type of leader you're going to be. Um, mm-hmm. For me, for me, I, and from my perspective, there's two different base styles of leadership and then a couple levels, right? And when I was first starting off, all of the examples I had, except for one, which was right in front of my face, and I didn't realize it, I'll get to that in a second, but were directorial style leaders. They were leaders who knew what to do. They were like made snappy decisions. They knew the ins and outs of the business. They could be like, go do this, go do that. And man, like a great directorial leader is like, oh, it's awesome. Like that sense of like you talk about the bottom of the pyramid, knowing what your job is, like that's what directorial leaders do. Like they, you know what you're supposed to be doing. There's no like gray area you can go off and accomplish and and crush your goals because you've got clear vision, clear leadership, directorial leaders. Like, fantastic. I tried to be that for probably the first few months of being a leader. Uh, for those people who I was leading at the time, I apologize. Because I can't. That's not my thing. Like, I can, I can go tell people what to do. But I just sound snarky and like kind of a jerk telling people what to do. And I don't want to tell people what to do. Like, I've got a real strong belief that like, hey, by the time you make it to your nine to five job, we're probably mostly all grown ups. And if I have to tell you what to do each and every day, me, mm, grumble, grumble. For me, there's that type of leader who inspires, that inspirational leader, that leader who points to goals and hills and says, that's where we need to be. Let's get there. How do we get there? What does that look like? That type of leader who Can like move the culture of a team, of a business, of an org, and like push it into new places, new directions, redefine what it means to be part of that team or org or business. And there's in Star Trek and like in like comics, there's lots of great inspirational leaders. Uh, in the business world, there's lots of great inspirational leaders, but they tend to be those leaders who are visioning, and they tend to be at the very top because they're not in the minutia. They're not like figuring out like the day to day. They're not. They hope that you know how to get from point A to point B because they want to push hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people, and you know, millions or billions of dollars worth of capital in a direction. And I think too often, we don't ever have that conversation with people. We just say, congratulations, you're a leader. Uh, Here's some people whose livelihoods depend upon you now. And here is some goals that the business wants to launch. And um, here's a book on leadership. Read it. Good luck. I'll check in with you at end of year review. And... You have no idea, like what kind of leader are you going to be? What kind of like, like are you are you going to inspire people and have them move? Are you going to like give direction? Are you going to be somewhere in the middle? Like, and we don't ever have
0: those conversations,
2: I don't think.
1: I think we should. I think we definitely
0: should. Yeah. Oh, well, we definitely should. By the way, I would challenge you. I don't think you have to be at the C-suite or CEO level. Well, I agree. To be a visionary leader, I agree. hundred percent. Yeah.
2: I think. I think too often those are the examples when we ask we get, we point to like oh you look up there but you're right I, I said in the beginning i said the the example of an inspirational leader was right in front of me the like one of my mentors who had brought me into the company where i would become a leader was a great inspirational leader um and like it was awesome when he was pointing at hills and talking the big picture stuff when we started talking like end of year metrics and numbers and specific deliverables, ah, well, wishy-washy. But again, like I said, another example was right in front of my face, but somebody was like, you're a leader now. I was like, okay, cool. Yay, I'm a captain. What's that look like? I don't know, except from Star Trek.
0: <laughs> you know, the funny thing is we talked a little bit about decentralized command and the ability to delegate. The, the ability to kind of stay on top of things without controlling things. The beautiful thing about that, it does, does take some work. Like right? it takes some work to build that foundation. But once your teams are, are on it, then you can vision and you should. And by the way, my experience, like visioning, full time job, like or three quarter job. Like, you know, if I'm building the vision of what's going on, it's got a lot of work. And I have to trust the people below me to do the, what's doing what they're doing right, and I have to inspire them to do more so that I got time to take the business to the next level. And and when you get to that that point in your career where you can start doing those things, that's that's when things can really take off. That's when it gets really fun because you know, hey, here's what I'm thinking about, which is really really the, great. The best time any, times. any of that kind of time if you're just can ban everything, yeah, and you're micromanaging the but Jesus out of stuff and um you're checking in on people every 5 minutes like it says, it takes away from your leadership capital which is the you're amount of time that i have to do the right things the things that i'm getting, getting paid for and you got to guard that leadership capital with with your it's like gold right so getting called into baloney stuff that takes away you know that eats up your leadership capital ooh just be careful about that i'm sorry i'm getting all excited yep, again um good that's fine.
1: When, it, when we think about the leaders that we want to lead us, say, we're just a worker and we're aspiring, what do we want to see in a leader? Someone that we trust, someone that trusts us, someone who's not going to micromanage yeah. and look and pick at every little thing. You need to build that rapport, right? You need to be able to trust your leaders. They need to be able to trust you to be open and honest, to know what to do, how to do it. So just, I just wanted to throw
2: that now, in there. Trust, trust is super vital. <laughs> you know, you guys both bring up things that like uh, it's easy to get uh, electrified. It's easy to get excited about talking about these things. Like um, when I had the most fun I had leading Scott was when I handed that visioning off to the team when I would be like, OK, guys, here's this number. This is the number that we got to hit. Let's sit down. Let's talk. What does it look like for us to hit that number? How do we get there? Like, what's the shape of, what's that number mean to us? What's that number mean to like our org? How do we reach it? What do we need to do? What assets do we need? What does it look like for us to get there? Uh, I was leading a team and we were doing a super big initiative moving moving a business from like service-based culture to like sales-based culture. And like, uh, I got super lucky to get like invited into that project on the ground floor and got to bring the team together and like we spent like four days like up on the top of a building that like nobody else was there we're like on this top floor and we just like took over like this open space area and it was just us and we had all these whiteboards and markers and pens and for like three or four days we just visioned and we just built like what would be the purpose and point of like these initiatives and what they were going to look like and how we were going to partner with other people and what it meant to be part of our team. And just as a team, we do you bring up trust. Like somebody on the team early on was like, I don't like this. And they've had that trust. They had that trust enough, thank goodness, to say something. And we all stopped. And like that could have been this moment where where the team was very excited. We were off going down this path and we could have like just been like, nope, you're on. Great, have a great day. And completely excluded that person, and that would have been super wrong. And instead, the team's like, "No, like, all right, let's stop. Let's reexamine. Let's let's circle up. Let's Mm -hmm. figure out like what don't we like about it." And like again, that that place of trust was those people saying, "What don't we like about it?" As soon as one person said, "I don't like this," the team was, "What don't we
0: like about this?" That's called building a high performance team. Yeah, because. Then people take ownership in their part, and the best part about actually taking the time to build a high-performance team is that when you get there. Again, it makes your job easier because they will police themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, you'll never have to have a hard conversation again because they'll be having it amongst themselves, yeah. which is really, really great. I want to transition, if I could, I and mean, a lot of people listening, we're telling great stories, right? But I want to make sure that we're being helpful, right? So, hey, I'm a new leader. I just got promoted. Uh, uh, maybe I was handed a book. Maybe, maybe we did have some quick, you know, day or two conversations about leadership, but that's it. Um, how do I get better? Right. For those people that are leading people that, that want to get better where do we start, what kind of advice do we have for, for them? You, uh, from my perspective, the new leader,
2: one, just talked about this. Stop thinking of I, if you have a group of people and you're leading these people, and you are trying to get them to a good place, it's we. It's It starts with we. We succeed, I fail. And next cool. is to see yourself as a force multiplier. As a leader, you're probably not producing as much, if any, of what you used to be producing. Your team is. <laughs> Which means where the business once had, you know, four, five, six, seven, well, 15, 20 people plus you, they now just have 20 people minus you. And so you have to make sure that you're making up that production, that output somehow, some way. That means that everybody on your team has to work a little bit harder And that's something I think you need to remember, you need to hold on to, that because of you, the team of people you're working with are working a fraction more than what they had to. Mm -hmm. So you have to be a force multiplier.
0: I want to be a little bit more prescriptive if I could. So the very first thing that I would say is, again, piggybacking off what I heard Scott Miller say, is um, we are in the people business. You're in the people business now, which means that we're in the relationship business, right? So start building relationships. Start building relationships with your team. Start building relationships with the people that you serve. Start building relationships with your boss and the people that they serve, right? Start start making those connections, finding out what those people need and building that trust with those people because you know what? Nothing, and I mean nothing, gets done without good relationships. Nothing right? Um, if you're going to think that you can go ahead and have terrible, crappy relationships and still get a lot of the things done and meet the needs of the business, um, you're going to find out real quick that that doesn't work. It doesn't work so long. So that'd be, that'd be one thing that I would do right away. The second thing that I would do right away is go find someone or something or somewhere where you can get fed. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is maybe there's a book that you want to read? Um, maybe there's like for me, I I listen to three or four different podcasts a week on a weekly basis, all about this stuff. Why? Because I want to get better, and I also realize I'm not going to get that in my corporate job. I'm just not. I I don't care how good they are. I'm not going to get that. So hearing other thought leaders in this space really helps me identify like, yep, that resonates with me. I'm going to try that today, see how that works. Or nope, this doesn't resonate with me. But there's still some fundamental things that are there. Find a way to get fed. Take ownership. Take ownership of your own personal development uh, around leadership. So that'd be the second thing that I would do, right? So hey, build those relationships. Go get fed. Go find a way to get fed. And number three, if you aren't doing this now, find a way to do it. Then is measure your effectiveness. And, and most companies do this. Like, here's a survey. How's your leader doing? Like, you hopefully should do that. If you don't, no one's going to get upset with you if you do. Like, partner with your HR and say, hey, I want to send out a survey and find out baseline level how I'm doing. And then a year or whatever that uh, term is later, have, have another indicator, baseline indicator of how well you're doing and measure yourself so you can get better. Yeah, just like any other form of measurement you have, your own personal development and effectiveness is super important. Feedback is a gift. I had a mentor tell me that many, many times. Like it's a, it's a gift. Like okay, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna walk in, and I'm gonna get some good feedback, and I'm gonna get some really crappy feedback. But just in, embrace the, the, the things that we can learn from, um, so you can get better. Those are the three things that I would, I would say.
1: I love those. Uh, leadership is not just about being in charge it's about taking care of those in your charge to get better is to also help your team grow to invest in them to have a clear accountability for your actions like you said we succeed but i fail if you're a leader you should make sure that you try to invest in your people try to figure out what their purpose is where they want to grow how they want to grow and help them on that path because, one, it'll make your teams better, but also it'll make them better. And I think from a philosophical standpoint, it makes everything better.
0: You know, this brass, uh, this brass text of, hey, I've got, a, I've got a team, now what do I do? I mean, having yeah. these conversations is important. Um, mm-hmm. and, and continuing to have these conversations, I think, is super important. So I want to thank you all for that. So, Daniel-san. Mm-hmm. Yes, Scott. Could you do me a solid and let everybody know how they could connect with us tonight? Absolutely. All right, party people. You guys
2: know the drill. If you haven't already, email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Email us any questions you might have joining the conversation. This week, we're super curious who was the best leader you've ever worked with and what trait or moment makes you think of them as the best leader. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. For all of our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and updates, www.thelearningnerds.com.
0: Scott, back at you. Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody. Could you do me a favor? Could you go ahead and hit that like button? Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode out with all of your friends. Really, really super important. Do me a big, huge favor. Could you pretty please write us a review. Could you write us a review the iTunes Stitcher or if your podcast, let us know how we're doing. We'd love to get that feedback from you so we can get better. And it helps other people find the show and get the great stuff that's there. With that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Zeta. And we're your Fabulous Learning Nerds and we are... Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're you're thinking of giving it a try, if you think we are giving it a try, check out My flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com/be to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com/be.